if I have not had the opportunity to meet you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. I'm going to invite you one more time this week. If you'll grab that green envelope and just hold it in your hand for a second. This is a part of our Christmas blessing here at Christ the King. It's the opportunity we take during the year to reach out into people who just desperately need help. And, and last year we had a young couple from our church um, who ran into an unbelievably difficult circumstance when all of a sudden the wife and the couple was sent to, to uh, the hospital down in Seattle. And the amazing thing about the blessing was this. We had an opportunity to take care of them so that they could take care of each other. That's what the blessing is all about. And if you uh, can go to our website, CTK, Blessingham, or CTK Bellingham, Blessingham. That's, we should rename it that way. That was a Freudian slip right there. We're going to roll with that. CTKBellingham.com backslash blessing. You can see some of the stories that are there. I just want to encourage you in your generosity uh, to be somebody else's miracle. As you're leaving as well, there is uh, at both campuses an opportunity for you to know exactly what's going on during Christmas. There's so much going on. And this is the new piece that's in the commons and in Ferndale as well. This is a personal invitation. This is not for drive-by inviting. You don't stick them underneath of people's windshield wipers. You don't stick them in their mailboxes. You walk up to them and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. We've been neighbors for 11 years, but I've never introduced myself. I'm sorry about that, and I'd like to invite you to come to church with me on Christmas Eve at Christ the King. We're doing five services. We'd love to have you come and be a part of that. We think it's just going to be an amazing time. As well, as a part of Christmas Eve, and I'm saying this for both campuses because Ferndale's going to be coming back and joining us on Christmas Eve, we need a whole bunch of you to, to touch the hearts of the people that are about to come. There's a lot of people who can only come to church on Christmas Eve, and it's our job to roll out the welcome mat and to kind of welcome them in. And I need a whole pack of you to come to one service and serve at another. Because we're going to have children all over this building, and we need an opportunity to be able to welcome and tell them about Jesus on Christmas as well. And so if you could come to one, serve at one, and sit at one, that's kind of how it works around here. We'd love for you to be able to be a part of it as well. One last piece, if you open up your program and look on the inside, on the right-hand side, I have listed a number of opportunities as I've been talking about Africa and the number of places that we got involved in there. There are some organizations there, Compassion, if you want to sponsor a child. If you like shopping local, you can go to kidstown.org. That's a, a, a sponsorship program that we have right here based in Bellingham. Their director, Matt Smith, attends Christ the King. You can go that way. There's also a couple of uh, ideas there. Some of you really resonated with the AIDS drug that we talked about that stops the transmission between mother and child. There's two listings there where you can go if you'd like to be a part of that. Or I'm going to add another one, okay? If you would write this one down, globalstrategies.org. That's the doctor. The guy who started that one is the doctor who discovered this transmission drug that saves lives. So if you'd like to be a part of that, globalstrategies.org. Well, once again, welcome to everybody here at the Bellingham campus. Special welcome to those of you at the Ferndale campus, those that are watching online. Every year at Christmas, I have unbelievable sermon block. It's just the way that it works. Because it's not like there's a new character to add to the story, Right? I mean, it's the same standard story week after week. And this week, I kind of drove everybody nuts, wandering around the hallways, looking for some kind of inspiration. So I want to thank Mike Woodley, Pastor Mel and JD, Mike, Adam, Nick, Karen, Laurel, Braden, McKenna, Jesus, the wise men, my dogs, and the people of Woods for putting up with me over this past week as I tried to figure out what to preach at Christmas time. And I'm going to start by, by saying this. I got to see a ton of animals in Africa. I got up close and personal with giraffe and elephants and and Simba, and Timon, and Pumbaa, and like the whole crew of them, right? I got to know them, and one morning we were out for a drive, and we ran into one of these. 
Yeah, that's an African buffalo. And there were the, they were out there by the thousands, herds of them, herds of them all over the place. And, and uh, they are a scary looking animal, are they not? I mean, it looks like me before my morning coffee. That's a scary thing. I saw these huge herds, but off standing on the side would often be two or three buffalo all by themselves. So I asked our driver, Anderson, what was the deal with the loners? And he said this. He goes, they picked a fight with the wrong buffalo, and now they're out. Well, I'm an optimist, right? So I'm like, how do they get back in? I was kind of wondering because there is a word in Swahili for animals that are out on their own. It's the word lunch. All right? You get that? You understand? And I just asked Anderson, how do they get back in? And his answer kind of took me back. He said, they don't get back in. Tomorrow morning, there will be a pile of bones where those animals are sitting right now. Because you can't see it. But in that bluff of trees right over there, there's a pride of lions and they're just waiting for night to fall. And I felt bad for the buffalo because they were outsiders. They were outsiders, and because they were outsiders, they were vulnerable, they were in danger. They needed somebody to step in and reconcile them with the herd. And some of you are wondering, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, as I was studying the Christmas story again this year, looking for a fresh angle that would capture people's hearts, I, I stumbled upon a tiny little phrase. I've seen it before, but it just kind of captured my attention. And the phrase was, home by another way. Or in some translations, another way home. The phrase is stuck on the last verse of the account of the wise men. And we're going to unpack that little phrase for the Christmas season. I know many of you are familiar with the story of the wise men. But for this week, I only want you to know one thing. Here's one thing you need to know about the wise men. They were outsiders. They were outsiders. These wise men were most likely a combination of astronomers and astrologers, magicians and sorcerers. They were Eastern mystics. They were very spiritual people. But they looked to the heavens for answers and not to the God of heaven for answers. I think these guys would have felt very comfortable here in Whatcom County. I walked into a bookstore in the southern side of Bellingham and I thought to myself, when I found myself in the, the mystical section of books, that the wise men would have felt right at home here. That's what made them outsiders to the people of Israel. In fact, I'm just going to put it to you blunt and straight. They were idolaters. They worshipped the heavens, not the creator of the heavens. Even though they were very spiritual people, they did not worship the God of the Bible. And that meant, in the context of the nation of Israel, that they were pagan, outside unbelievers. The book of Isaiah tells us how Scripture viewed them. Chapter 47, obscure little passage of Scripture, says this. Keep on them with your magic spells and your many sorceries, which you've labored at since childhood. Perhaps you will succeed. Perhaps you will cause terror. All the counsel you've received has only worn you out. So let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Let them save you from what is coming upon you. Surely they are like stubble. The fire will burn them up. They cannot even save themselves from the power of the flame. These are not coals for warmth. This is not a fire that you should sit by. That's all they are to you. These you have dealt with and labored with since childhood, all of them will go on in their error. There is not one single one that can save you. The Bible spoke against those who look to the heavens, but not to the God of the heavens. And so because of that, the people of Israel, they didn't like these guys. They were outsiders by race, by profession, by location, by heritage, by belief system. And yet, 
Jesus invited them to his birthday party. They just showed up, and here's the crazy part. These outsiders actually find the Messiah while the religious church people in Jerusalem just a couple of miles away miss him completely. I think this is one of the most beautiful gospel messages that you'll ever find in your whole Bible. I mean, what is the deal with that? Well, let's just dive in. Let's ask, let's ask a question. How about this question? How does God deal with outsiders? Well, the Bible says this. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What can we learn from that little chunk of scripture? I mean, knowing who they were and how society saw them, I can only come to one conclusion out of that little chunk of scripture, and it's this. God's got a heart for outsiders. He likes outsiders, sinners, the oddballs, the broken, the misguided, the misfits, the irregular, the lost, the hurting, the misguided, the pastor of Christ the King, and the people of Christ the King. God has such a heart for them that instead of kicking them out of the herd to fend for themselves, God actually does the unthinkable with outsiders. He calls and includes them. How crazy is that? He calls and includes them. God calls the Magi to leave their home and to go on this epic search. And God says, I want you to bring your stuff with you. Bring your questions. Bring your speculation. Bring your assumptions. Bring your, your, iner- your, your errant ideologies. Go on a journey because inevitably, if you go on the journey, you're going to come face to face with God himself. God calls them out of the darkness. He lays out a welcome mat. He invites them, in spite of where they're coming from, to participate in this incredible journey. He actually uses their own spiritual journey to bring them to a place where God has their full and undivided attention. He doesn't kick them to the side or shun them because they have some kind of a different idea. No, he draws them. He calls them. He invites them. He appeals to that place in the bottom of our heart that we all have that longs to belong, that wants to fit in, that wants to have a place called home. You know, the wise men are called out. They leave their homes and their families to pursue their calling. And and that just prompts me to a question. What is God calling you to this Christmas? Could it be that already he's calling you to himself? Could it be that he's calling you back to himself? What's he calling you to leave behind that that you can leave so that you can have a face-to-face encounter with him? Is he calling you out of your busyness? Is he calling you out of your noise? Is he calling you out of your pressure to be perfect? The wise men are called out, and here's the cool part. They actually have the wisdom to say yes. It's not about being right or being wrong at this particular point in the journey. It's just the fact God called them out. He invited them, and they said yes. We're going to go on this journey together. They meet some interesting characters along the way, like this paranoid ruler by the name of Herod. But that doesn't deter them. They just keep following the star because God placed the star as an invitation for them to follow. The Bible says they didn't just wander aimlessly. But after saying yes, the Bible says this in verse 9. It says, as they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them, it, it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place 
where the child was. Here's what I love about God. He doesn't call us and then abandon us. No, he calls us, he invites us, and then he leads us. In this case, he places a star in the heaven, and then he moves the star because he knows the wise men are wise enough to follow. What does God do with outsiders? He leads them. He leads them. Where does he lead them? Well, these guys, he led them to a place where they realize that it's not about the stars. It's about the God who actually made the stars. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. That means everything that you can see outside is pointing in the direction of the one who made and created it. The stars don't want your attention. The sun and the moon don't want your attention. They want you to see who they're pointing to. They want you to see the God of the heaven and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars. The Bible goes on because even though God leads them, they have to say yes to the leading, don't they? So do we. But the Bible says this in verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. What does God do with outsiders at a worship service? I'll tell you what he does. He meets them. He meets them. He doesn't withdraw or pull away. He doesn't make himself untouchable. No, exactly the opposite. And that's why we celebrate at Christmas time. He gets close. Up close and personal. He gets so close that they can touch him. Suddenly, they're not outsiders anymore because he's become human. He's become touchable. He's become Emmanuel, which means God with us. Suddenly, these guys aren't outsiders anymore. They're intimate friends with the king of kings. I mean, you've got to be close if you get invited to a birthday party, right? These former outsiders worship God. Suddenly, they're on the inside of the worship experience because they're having a face-to-face encounter with God himself. Suddenly, they're in the in crowd And this is what's so amazing to me. While they're in the in crowd, while God is welcoming outsiders into his family, it's the religious church people in Jerusalem who are completely missing out on the Messiah. They're looking in the opposite direction. Where are we going to look this year for peace? Can I encourage us to look in a certain direction? There's no better place to look for peace than to the Prince of Peace. Amen? There's no place to look for help and hope than the wonderful counselor. There's no better place to look when you feel like an abandoned child than to your everlasting father. That's the best place to look. So why in the world would we look anywhere else? The wise men actually figured it out. We should probably look right here. Right in front of us. Because that's where God is. And wherever God is, that's home, my friends. That's home. The Bible closes out this part of the Christmas story this way. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, it says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They had to find another way home. And all of us are faced with the same kinds of challenges. You know what I love about this story? It's because it answers this question. How does God deal with outsiders? He welcomes them, 
He leads them. He moves closer to them. And then finally, he actually sends them. He sends them home changed. He sends them home with the truth of Christmas. He sends them home understanding not just, not, not to get stuck on, on the what to worship, but who to worship. He sends them home not as outsiders, but as a part of God's family. He sends them home with a message that outsiders should never, ever forget. And that's this message. The door is still open. It's still open. God's still inviting. God's still including. God's still leading. God's still taking with very interesting ideologies and inviting them to become a part of his birthday celebration. That's why we're here. Because we've been invited to the party. So I don't care whether you're at Bellingham or at Ferndale, I'm going to call you out. When you worship the King of Kings, this is not an appropriate response. Oh, come let us adore him. <sighs> what was I going to get for my kid again? Oh, yeah. <sighs> Not afford it. Oh, come let us adore him. This year's going to cost a lot. Christ the King, I am so calling you out. Oh, come, let us adore him. How can that not light you up? How can that not make you understand God's got a place for outsiders? He brings them inside and says, don't, be, don't stand on the wall like a wallflower. Actually become a part of the party. Celebrate and understand God is with us. Emmanuel is here at Christmas time. Merry Christmas. God showed up. I know that's a downer for some people. For the rest of us, it's a celebration. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Oh, my goodness. He sends them back. Why does this matter to us? All right, here comes the theology. Some of us aren't going to like it, but here it comes. Why does this matter? Because we're outsiders. We're outsiders. Every one of us has sinned. We've alienated ourselves from God. We're on the outs. We may not have a problem with God, but his perfection's got a problem with us. We don't fit. We're messy. We've got a sin problem. We don't belong. And there's a word for us in English when we're on the outside by ourselves, alienated from God. The word is lunch for the enemy of our souls. It's just a matter of time, but there's a pile of bones there unless somebody steps in and reconciles us back to the herd. It's a really, really big deal. Don't believe me? Colossians 1 says this, once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. I mean, that's bad news. Some of you are going, why did I come to hear this? I wanted, some, I wanted some encouragement. I wanted some excitement. Here's the good news of Christmas. Jesus wants to include us. He wants to include us. God loved us so much, he sent his son here to save us and rescue us. He became human form and became like us. God came this way. He didn't draw up a whole list of rules and said, you're just going to have to work really, really hard and then I'll decide whether or not you're going to be able to get close enough to me. Instead of making us work towards him, he stepped towards us. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He came 
He did the work. He took on human form. He lived a perfect life so that he could die on a cross, spill his blood so that he could save us. Why? So we could be included. So that we were no longer outsiders. This is amazing. There's a radical, new, free, and open way for outsiders to get in. And that way is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That message never gets old to me. It's the same Christmas message every year, but it never gets old. So let's take all of that and sum it all up. What's the message of Christmas? Don't miss, in the next couple of weeks, don't miss these important truths. First one, Jesus came near. He came here looking for outsiders. Rebels, angry people, questioners, the skeptical. He came near to our heart. He called us. He included us. He loved us. He forgives us. He wants us to come to his birthday celebration. Secondly, Jesus came to include you in his family. Some of us try to find our own way in. We try to create our own invitation. I hate to break it to you. It doesn't work. You can't find your own way in. Ephesians says it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. You can't work your way back in. You can't figure out how to get back in on your own power. The only way you can get back in is by accepting the invitation of Christ. And what invitation is that? I believe that God has a single message for every single person in Whatcom County this Christmas. And I believe the message is this. Jesus wants you to come home. Don't waste your time looking for anything else. Just come home. Home is where God is. And I don't care what your background was. I don't care whether your family and your home was a good thing or a bad thing. God wants you to come home. Some of you have never come home before. This season, my prayer is that's what will happen. Some of you have been home and then you decided to leave. I did. God called me back. He just kept saying it, just come back home. You know, the story of the outsiders is amazing because it touches all of us. I mean, if you look at these guys, pagan mystics, and yet they receive an invitation to come to Jesus' birthday, according to that story, according to God's grace, you can't disqualify yourself anymore because there are no conditions that make you unworthy, disqualified, or excluded. God has a place for you. I don't care what you did. God has a place for outsiders. You know, maybe you're here and you feel like you're on the outside because of some huge moral failure or some experience that you walked through that you believe you've convinced yourself has made you unacceptable by God. Maybe you're consumed by some colossal failure that you can't let go of because you still believe, no matter how many times you've heard me say it, you still believe that somehow God can't forgive you because your sin's in a different category. Do you know what Emmanuel, God with us, would say to you if you said that to him? I believe he'd say, no. No. You don't get to let that failure define you. You don't let to get that sin defined you. No matter what people have, have said about you or thought about you or done to you, none of that gets to define you because you are no longer an outsider. You're not an outsider because I invited you inside. 
You're no longer excluded. You're no longer a victim. You're included. You're welcomed. You're treasured. You're a recipient of God's grace. This is the message Jesus wants for us to know this Christmas. You're in. If you have a relationship with him, you're in. That's something to celebrate. See, there's something in all of us that longs to be welcomed. That longs to come home. And I'm going to tell you every single week, he's waiting for you. He'll include you. He'll lead you. He'll meet you. And then he'll send you home with a different message of Christmas than maybe you've ever understood. I promise that I'm not going to, uh, that I'm not going to Africa you to death. I know that it was an experience that God allowed me to go on, and I don't want you coming every week going, boys, you're going to tell us another story. So just one more. One afternoon, we were at a child survival program, and I was there with Ephraim and Sherwood. They were two African-American pastors from the Sacramento area. And I got to love those two brothers on this trip. I got to love them because I got to see the African experience through their eyes, which is very, very different than my eyes and my experience. You see, there have been times when because of the color of their skin, they were told they were outsiders. So we went to this beautiful child survival program and this group of young Maasai warriors came and danced and sang. They could teach us a few things about bouncing, you know? I know some of you are just like, that's a little edgy for me. Some of you could use a little edge just to be straight up, all right? Just to be straight, okay? You know, you get them here to, you get it here, but I'll tell you what my goal is. I want you up here. That's where I want you, just being straight up. These kids came and celebrated in front of us, and Ephraim's sitting beside me, and he's just a puddle by the time they're done. Tears rolling down his face. We're done. We're dismissed. And, and he actually goes walking out into a field. And he's standing there trying to compose himself. And Pastor Julian, the pastor of the church, he comes and he stands alongside of me, and he goes, it happens to all of them. I said, excuse me? He goes, it happens to all of them. All of the African-American pastors who come here, happens to all of them and they don't even know what's going on there's a hole in their soul they've never come home he goes I'm going to do something about it so he goes and he grabs Sherwood and he grabs Ephraim and he takes them into the church and he invites us to come and circle around our brothers and we're praying for them as they're standing there and these three Maasai elders walk into the room just picture that Maasai elder. They kill lions for fun, all right? Just get that in your head. And they come in and they give gifts to Sherwood and Ephraim. They place these beautiful necklaces around their necks. They give them a club. It's a sign of Maasai eldership. And they restore their heritage right there in front of me. And Ephraim and Sherwood are just a mess. Because God's healing something deep inside of their soul that they didn't even know was there. All of a sudden, they got to come home. And I got to be there and watch this. I got to pray over my brothers as God did a healing deep, deep, deep inside of them. I tried to have Julian explain to me, like, what just happened? This is what he said, and it's so important. He said, Brother Grant, 
before you get to go anywhere, you have to come home first. Christ the King, we're being called to our world, but before we get to go anywhere, we have to come home first. Home is where God is. And this Christmas, we're going to find a way home. That's my promise to you this Christmas season. Would you pray with me as we close? Father God, for everyone here today, at Bellingham or at Ferndale, that feels lost, alone and empty, for those who feel like, like they're standing on the front porch of a house, but they're not welcome inside. I pray that they would know and resonate with the truth that Jesus is calling them home this Christmas. Not to a physical address where they grew up as a child, but home to him. I pray, God, that we would find a way home through peace, through joy, through quiet contemplation of the simple fact that Emmanuel is here, God with us. So Lord, for all those who've lost their way, I pray in Jesus' name that they come home to him, that they would ask for forgiveness and be forgiven, that they would ask for peace and receive they would stop chasing the stars and chase the star of Bethlehem instead. So Father, may peace rule in our hearts. May we know you and your beautiful story as you lead us home. I pray these things on behalf of the church full of former outsiders who are now welcomed inside by our Heavenly Father. And I thank you and I praise you and I celebrate you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.